Thank you so much for being a listener of the Deep Believer Show. We love our listeners, we pray for our listeners, and we love to hear from our listeners. So if you have anything you'd like to say, if you have any testimonies, or if you have any questions, leave us a voice message. We'd love to hear from you. Again, we would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for being a listener of The Deep Believer Show. Hi, everyone. This is Jennifer Bagnashi with Deep Believer. Today, we have a fantastic guest with us today. When she was in middle school, she was bullied and tormented so much that it drove her to suicidal thoughts and alcoholism. When she got into high school, it got worse. She switched over to witchcraft and many more. You'll want to hear this. And also, when she tried to break free, she heard demons scream. Susie, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me, Jennifer. <laughs> so Susie, tell me this. How in the world did you even get into this? So where were your parents when you were younger? And did you were you raised in a Christian home? And yeah, so I guess my parents didn't really know what was going on with me specifically. They just thought I was kind of like the, you know, the bad child, you know, with the issues. So um they, they weren't really involved in what, they didn't really see what I was doing with my time. I know you had issues in middle school, but prior to middle school and elementary, was life a little bit more simpler for you when it came to how you were treated among your peers? So yeah, I had pretty normal relationships with people. You know, I had um, a lot of friends, you know, I was, everything was pretty normal. But other than that, like, even since I was like a younger child, I did like see things like spiritually when I was a child. So, you know, at one point I heard angels wings and stuff. So even then I did kind of, you know, know there were things that we didn't naturally see. Yeah. Now, so did your parents know about any of this? No, they didn't. No. Wow. Wow. So you would see the angelic, the divine and the diabolical. Yes technically more of the evil things I saw though mm. more of more of the evil mm -hmm. okay so I have a question for you so when you reached middle school things change what happened to change things when I was in sixth grade things changed for me because I hang around I hang around with some of the same friends I did before but some different ones and I guess they didn't really like me but when you're that age you really want to be accepted by people and liked and stuff so you know I would I would you know hang around with them after school and stuff and there was um, this this boy there he was like you're ugly kill yourself you know you're ugly kill yourself and he said that to me like a lot of times it wasn't just like one time so it kind of like put in me like to kind of like hate myself and I really had like low self-esteem like really bad low self-esteem now was it just that one boy or did kids tend to follow after he began to call you bad names I think a lot of kids said you know mean things to me the kid the kids there were very demonically influenced to say the least because they were doing things that like kids in sixth grade should not be doing. So they would like call me a prude because I wouldn't like lose my virginity as, as a sixth grader. So there were, it was very 
evil environment. And so this drove you to drink alcohol. What made you choose alcohol? What was it that made you say, okay, I'm going to drink alcohol now? What did you think alcohol would do for you? You know, I don't remember why I chose it, but I think it had to be demons. Because I think even from a young age, I was influenced by demons. Um, Because I remember one time, uh, I just remembered this, um, when I was a child, I was at my cousin's house, and I heard a voice say, take this, you know, take like take a take something and I, I took it, I ended up telling my dad and returning it to my cousin. But whatever it was, I somehow knew that the alcohol would make take away the pain that I had. So I turned to that and other things like pills in the prescription cabinet and things like that. I had a knowing that it would take that away. So I, I did that. Now, so you say you got the prescription drugs from your cabinet. Where did you find the alcohol? From the cabinet as well. You know, at that point, it was in the living room for anyone to, you know, take. So did your parents even know that you were uh, under the influence at times? Did, did they know that you were abusing alcohol and prescription drugs? They eventually found out, um, you know, they found out because they looked through my drawers and my cabinets and stuff, and they found stuff in there that shouldn't be in there. And I got in trouble at school as well because I brought alcohol to school. Mm. Um, so I got in trouble. Eventually they found that out as well. So they never noticed a difference in your behavior while you were under the influence? No, I was, I guess not. They didn't notice. I was sleeping a lot. You know, they didn't, they didn't really notice that. And it was really God protecting my life because at times I would just take a whole bunch of pills, like just, you know, wanting to end my own life. And I never died. Like, and I did it like every day too. So it, w- it was really God protecting me. And that's something supernatural. The fact that you took all these things to kill you, but it wouldn't work. Well, praise God for that. <laughs> so you mentioned to me that one of your friend's mothers gave you a Bible. Why did she give you a Bible? So I was talking to my friend, you know, in the bathroom at school, like what I was going through and stuff. And then my friend's mom came to my door crying with a Bible. And my sister or my stepmom, she, she took the Bible and stuff and said, oh, your friend's mom gave you this or whatever, and was kind of like joking about it. But, you know, at that point it did, um, I started going to Christian conferences and stuff with my friend and stuff. And I actually started kind of reading the Bible then, but mostly on my phone. So I read like the book of Ecclesiastes and Revelation, and I knew that Jesus was returning like in my lifetime. So I knew that. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So how was your, um, what was your reaction when you found out she gave you this Bible? Did you laugh it off because you were in middle school or were you pretty receptive of it? I guess I like kind of, I don't remember laughing about it. I remember they were laughing about it, my sister and my stepmom, but I don't know how I responded really. I just, I guess, accepted it. I didn't open it at that point, but my, I started to become more open, believing that uh, you know, Jesus loves me and stuff, but I didn't really know him at that point. Yeah. So things got worse when you got to high school. Tell us about your high school yeah. life. So after that, I turned, I turned, you know, from hanging around those other friends I was hanging around with and I wanted to hang out with other people. So me and my friend, the summer going into high school, you know, we would like pop pills together and stuff and we would do that and drink and, you know, do all that stuff. And like my memories were, you know, 
puking and stuff like I had awful memories so I, I was doing that going into high school and I just you know it just got worse I I would do you know other stuff did kids continue to bully you while you were in high school no so I had a lot of friends so after I left sixth grade technically my bullying stopped but I guess you could consider that I still got bullied because there was a time uh when my one best friend stopped hanging out freshman year. And the one thing I was smoking with my other friends who I had during that time, and the same thing that kids said to me, you're ugly, kill yourself. They were saying it to me. You're ugly, kill yourself. You're ugly, kill yourself. And I know it had to be the devil influencing these people that they're saying the same. I didn't see it that way then though. So I kind of was. And at another time, I was, uh, I smoked K2 with my friends and it was, uh, what is K2? I just started. So this is synthetic marijuana. It's not real marijuana. It's synthetic. And, um, so it was like people's heads started spinning around looking like planets. And I laughed uncontrollably. After that, I blacked out. I woke up with vomit on myself. They said you, they said you, uh, had a seizure and you stopped breathing. And she was saying, um, the one guy was saying, let her die. What do you mean somebody said let her die? Was that one of the people who were around you, one of your friends? Yeah, it was one of the people who was there. He was saying let her die. So. I hope he was joking. Was he joking? I they, they didn't say he sounded like he was joking. They just said he was telling us to let you die. Hmm. So he seemed like he had something in him that wasn't too wrapped too tight either. So, okay, so all this was getting pretty bad and your parents start to notice, and you mentioned this earlier, how they went through your things and found the substances you were using. I think that was when I was in eighth grade that they started to see that. They went, they put me in the hospital. They went through my stuff when I was there and they ended up saying, you know, we're going on a trip and driving me to rehab. Yeah. So that was middle school so, when you were in rehab, not high school. I went twice. So I went once when I was in middle school and once when I was in high school. Now, did it help you anytime that you went? No, because I didn't have a reason to stop doing what I was doing. I didn't know the Lord. I, I didn't feel like life was really like meaningful, you know? So I didn't feel a reason to quit doing what I was doing. I just, um, you know, my second time around, I think I just got smarter with what I was doing. And when I turned to the new age as well, I kind of stopped doing it as like, no, I didn't stop doing it, but I wasn't as suicidal anymore. Okay. So when you were in rehab, what kind of things did they do to try to um, stop your issue, to stop your problem, your addiction? So there are some people like they, they would like try to tell us to look to our God, who our God is and stuff. But like people were trying to explain what they think God was. And one person I remember was talking to me. She's like, I believe he's a rock or something. And she was trying to explain to me why she thinks God is a rock. And I was just like, how <laughs> I was like thinking, how stupid can people be that she thinks he's a rock? <laughs> I was like, you know. <laughs> so this is why it didn't work for you. <laughs> okay. When did you start getting into tarot cards? Was this after high school? It was when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. So one thing is my aunt introduced me to them kind of. 
like she was showing me oh look at these angel cards and stuff like that I'm like oh that's cool and stuff and then I and then I ended up buying my own like angel cards and stuff and then I started like looking into like different tarot cards like some of them I looked at on the internet I didn't like buy them but Crowley tarot cards and like stuff like that so I did get deeply involved into some of that kind of stuff too so were you interested before your aunt um introduced you to it or I can't remember exactly what age I was then but I I do know that I was interested in like witchcraft and and stuff like that so I even from a young age since I was like in seventh grade I'd say I was interested in in witchcraft so what was your fascination with witchcraft as opposed to Christianity because I know you were in Catholicism at the time but what was what was interesting to you about witchcraft well um I guess control another thing is the crystals like I really like the crystals I felt so insecure that I believe that crystals had power to like you know make me um look more beautiful than I was uh and gave me different powers and stuff like that. So that's what really interested me in crystals. When you were in Catholicism, did you believe that you had any power whatsoever through Jesus? I'm going to go to the point where one, the time when I was, I was so deep into all this stuff that um, basically I was being tormented by uh, this thing. So I would have visions at night, like, and I couldn't sleep at all. So I saw the Bible that was collecting dust on my dresser that my friend's mom gave me. And then I would, I opened it and I saw the letters were red. I thought God specifically made these letters red for me at this time. I'm going to read them out loud. Um, and, and so then I was reading it and I'm open to the scripture right now, uh, the scripture that I read. So Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and in every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And if I, by Beelzebub, cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is to come unto you. Or else how can one enter a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. So I read that, and then I heard like a scream, like it sounded like a man scream. It didn't sound as loud as human screams. But I knew it was like a spiritual sound and I heard it and then I could sleep again. What now, message was that again? It's Matthew 12, uh, 25 through 31 is what I read. So after this happened, I knew that God's word had power. But at the same time, I was raised as a Catholic. So I believe that I should pray to angels after that. Um, I believe that I should wear like different like the with the pictures of the saints on there um rosary and stuff like that and believed in holy water because that's what they say but that, that just brought more of the devil into my life and give you a false peace that's not really you know of god and i i'm really glad you mentioned that because a lot of people do believe that 
rosary beads and praying to Mary um, and praying to angels help them. And I know you know uh, a little bit about that. Could you just touch on a little bit more? I know you mentioned that it made it worse, but explain what it does and what people really are doing when they do these things. So when you pray to Mary, you're technically not really, well, God doesn't desire us to pray to anyone but him in Jesus name. Um, but, um, you're technically praying to the queen of heaven. So, and they say Mary queen of heaven, but the queen of heaven is actually a demon. So you're actually praying to demons. And if you look in the old Testament, you can say it talks about them, you know, going to the queen of heaven and God warns against that. And another roots of Catholicism and the saints worship, it comes from Santeria and John Ramirez actually speaks about that. And a lot of it is like Baal worship. I don't know how to specifically pronounce his name. Now, what about angels? Because I know a lot of people pray to Archangel Michael or, or the dead saints, Saint Sebastian and all this stuff. Do you know a little bit about yes. that too? Well, praying to the dead is technically necromancy. So we're not called to pray to, uh, you know, dead people. God doesn't call us to that. Praying to angels a real angel of God isn't going to answer a prayer like that. You know, fallen angels may intervene in that prayer because they want the glory of God for themselves. So let's go forward. And during this time, you're heavily into witchcraft and you begin to see certain symbols. What symbols did you see? Okay, so here's a doorway I had to the devil. I had an Ankh necklace, like a necklace with the Ankh symbol on it, which is a cross with a circle at the top. And I would put like oils in there. So I would wear that. And I was interested in all that Egyptian religion and stuff like that. So when I went in the shower, whatever it was would write the symbols in the shower uh, by the steam of the shower on the glass of the shower and it wasn't only that like even when i was in my car like one time i was in my car at high school and it was like kind of foggy from the weather it would write it on my car uh too so wherever i would go it would kind of harass me in a way and write these symbols which kind of scared me I'm actually glad that you mentioned the ox necklace because I hope I'm saying it right, ox necklace. But um, a lot of people are jumping into that now. It's as if the devil was trying to uproot certain things at certain times. Uh, explain what that necklace means and explain the background of it. In the Egyptian, the Egyptians read, you know, the the Book of the Dead or whatever. That's their book. So it's it the top of it technically is a symbol of resurrection but it is an antichrist symbol. So what is of God, the enemy takes and he perverts that really. So the symbol isn't from God, it's of the devil. I'm not really sure all the deep meaning of it, but I know that it's an antichrist symbol. And that's what the Egyptians used to use way back when, right? Yes, the Egyptians used it. So they believe that the dead go to be judged, their souls weighed, and stuff like that and then they go to the realm of the dead or hell so who wants to yeah no sir and yeah it's all connected you know they believe actually the antichrist rising out of the bottomless pit 
it's kind of all connected. There are some Christians who just think this is the cross. This is the cross with a loop on top. What do you say to the Christians who are actually wearing these things? We know unbelievers wear this a lot, but I get so baffled when I see unbelievers wearing this. I'm sorry, when I see believers wearing this, because I'm wondering, do they must not know or do they know? What do you say to Christians who wear this? You know, I have to say, like, you're opening doors to Satan. Because I know that what opened the door to Satan in my life was wearing that necklace, having it in my possession. It's a cursed object. So you don't want to have a cursed object in your possession, for one. Um, it's not Christian. It's literally Antichrist. And, and the symbol, you know, is worshiping of the Antichrist. Now tell me this, because I know there are some people who are skeptics and they're wondering, well, I wonder if she just wrote these Egyptian symbols on the uh, glass of her shower uh, previously before and forgot and then the steam just made it reappear. What do you say about that? Well, I didn't write any symbols on there because I honestly didn't know the symbols that were on there. Like they were very sophisticated symbols. Like, draw, like symbols drew on there that I didn't even know what they meant. To this day, I don't know what they mean. And when you would drive, you would literally see it steam up. I mean, was it a rainy day? Was it a foggy day? Would it just- It was a foggy day. It was a foggy day. And that spirit or whatever it was would draw that there. Um, and literally, I, that this thing followed me around everywhere. I could feel it. Like I felt like a sen a, an impending sense of death whenever it was with me. I think that's the principality or powers over the land that I was living because other people who I went to high school with were interested in all that too. You mentioned to me that after a while you began to have sexual experiences with demons and there are a lot of stories of people, men and women, who've said the same thing. Could you just elaborate on this please because it's a it's a topic that's not talked about a lot but could you talk about this please honestly i have and i think what opened the door in my life one thing was fornication i think that's what opened the door to that uh but i literally had at one point i didn't speak of this but at one point where it literally like i was sleeping and it was like my room started to spin it was dark and whatever it did like literally technically raped me at one point other times i would just um, it was just there and, you know, um, so whatever it was, that Egyptian thing was the thing that did that, I'm more than sure. Now, what do you say to the people who've experienced this? What do you say to them right now? I'm sorry they went through that, but definitely turn to the Lord Jesus Christ because only he can uh, save you from that because and repent of fornication because that's the open door to that and don't mess with those things also i went through another experience though i have to talk about uh where it seemed like i got abducted because i was listening to this music and then whatever it was was like taking me up and i don't know whether it take took me up really and i just don't remember what happened um but i remember waking up and saying and um yeah, so let's go a little bit back to what you said, because uh, a lot of people's ears are peaked right now when you said fornication opens that door, because a lot of people have wondered, why is this happening to me? So you're so you're saying again that more than likely the reason why people um, are experiencing unwanted sexual encounters with demons is because they they're experiencing um, voluntary 
fornication in their life? I believe fornication and porn is a big one. That messes up your head. And then that's another thing. You're, or masturbation that's opening the door to, to demons. So sexual sin opens the doorway to sexual demons. Yes. Susie, you say you've heard God's voice. A lot of people have not heard God's voice. Tell us the time you heard his voice. What happened was that I I had a very bad experience and stuff. You know, I thought I died and went to hell technically uh, with the experience I had. So my friend, you know, said, oh, try this um, acid, you know, basically I did that. I, I saw scorpions on the bed of someone's truck. And I didn't think of the scripture, behold, I give you authority to tread on serpents, scorpions, all the power of the enemy. But I was in this trailer and I saw these, uh, you know, these things, these creatures of hell, this false religion I was in, and snakes and false gods and demons influencing my friends. So I had this experience and I thought I, I wanted out of this. I wanted out of whatever I was in. I, I was like, Lord, I, I don't, I was laying in bed depressed the, like the day after I was like, Lord, I don't. I don't, I think these things are just going to bring me to hell. I don't, I think I've done too much that I thought I had done too much that God couldn't save me after that, honestly. So that night I went to bed, I had a dream and I saw a bright light and a hand held out to me. And I heard a voice say, follow Jesus. And yeah, at that point I threw all that stuff out and I was like, okay, well, God called me, you know, he, he can actually use me, you know? So that's how you got out of it for time, right? For time. Yes. But let's go a little bit back. So Susie, you mentioned that you went from Catholicism over to Buddhism. Why did you go to Buddhism? Well, yeah. So I, I technically, I went from Catholicism, which I don't, I would never really consider myself a Catholic, but I believed like that Catholic was that's how you worship God. Um, So I technically believe that I never liked Catholicism to begin with, I don't think but I went I went I got I involved myself in the in the new age, you know, I I was involved in all that Egyptian religion and stuff. And then I, I did a lot of meditation. So I believe like there's parts of our brains that we don't have access you know, to that give us that would give us power and stuff, which is true, technically, but there's a reason why God doesn't have us to have access to those parts that we originally had because Adam and Eve, they got kicked out of the garden. So I was at a point where I believed I could move objects with my mind. And I was uh, in my class with with uh, my friend there. And I was like, Hey, watch this. Like I can move this pen with my mind. And he watched it. He said, wow, it kind of didn't move, you know? So you say kind of did move or didn't move. Well, he said it, it did move. Like he saw it move a little, like I moved it a little, like it moved like a little bit, but I believed that I could do that stuff. And, um, I, I did a lot of the meditation, the crystals. I was, I really, uh, was so intrigued by crystals. Now, could you elaborate on crystals? Because a lot of people often ask, well, God made crystal, crystals, which he did. But tell tell the audience what crystals actually do. Because we know crystals in, in itself is not bad. But finish this. 
finish the sentence because you can't. All right. So crystals, yes, God did create crystals. But the thing is that they're kind of like amulets. If you're using them and you believe that they carry power, you know, God didn't ordain for us, you know, any power that doesn't come from God, that's witchcraft power. So if you're using it to manipulate people, their wills, or manipulate things, that's not of God. And crystals, yeah. So the the kingdom of God, you know, it talks about the, the 12 manner of crystals, um, the gate made with crystals. Yes, crystals are of God, but when you take what God created and pervert it to your own will, that's technically Satanism because the the motto for Satanism is do what thou wilt. So so it's not crystals in itself, but what you do with crystals and what you're yes. trying to do with crystals. Okay. Yes. So, yeah, it's what you're doing with it. So while you were in this, while you were into witchcraft and all this, did you feel genuinely loved? No, I didn't. I didn't feel genuinely loved at all. One thing that since the Lord saved me was, you know, receiving love. Because I, I didn't really have anybody who really loved me in my life. <laughs> I didn't really uh, have any of that. So it was mostly about power. Having that control, I guess, power was probably the main force. But I didn't know love. I didn't know Jesus Christ. And I never really experienced true love in my life. So I really wanted it, you know. Now, did you feel love from your parents? No, I didn't. Yeah. Now, what about your friends? Did you feel love from your friends? No, I, I didn't feel love from them either. I feel like all the only time I was ever with my friends, they were always like, you know, drinking, stuff like that. It was just like, you know, about having fun or um, we were all miserable people because we're always like, I always thought about it. Like, you know, you're always doing drugs. You're trying to distract yourself from like the pain that you feel. But there came a time when you encountered Jesus, where he drew something on you. What happened here? All right. Well, yeah, this happened. um, This happened after he saved me after the fact, you know, um, after I was born again, but it happened when I moved here, actually. Uh, so I told the Lord, you know, like, cause I've been going through like a lot of, you know, spiritual warfare and stuff like that. So I was like, Lord, I need encouragement, you know? So I went to sleep that night and what happened was I had a dream and, um, in the dream it was, uh, I was like in water and these things were pulling me down. Um, and they look like mermaids, but they were like marine spirits, but they said, it's too late for you. And I said, well, I'll call on the Lord because he delights in mercy. And when I I said that, I pulled off all its hair off its head and it was bald. It said, what'd you do to my hair? So then I put on my hand and a hand pulled me out of the water. And then it was like, it wasn't a dream anymore. It was like, I really was sitting on a porch with the Lord Jesus. And I turn over, I look next to me and it's the Lord Jesus sitting next to me. Um, and I was listening, like to hear his voice, to hear what he sounded like. And it was like, you know, a middle Eastern accent. It was like no accent I ever heard before, but he was drawing a heart on my shoulder. And I said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm making you in my image. Now, what did he draw on your arm with? 
did you use a pen or a pencil or his finger paint what i think i think it was a pen okay wow so were you were you in heaven at the time in this dream or vision or where were you i don't know exactly where i was i was on a porch it looked white and bright and um i was somewhere with jesus i know that it was um like a special place where he met with me it wasn't like a dream it was it felt real now at the beginning of the dream you mentioned that you saw mermaids but they were really marine spirits a lot of people do not know what marine spirits are could you tell the audience what that means what they are so they're spirits like in the water so technically you know there's different spirits like the land and water different kinds of demons so they're Technically, a lot of their things they do is they influence uh, human sex trafficking. They um, influence lust and like things like that. They have, and they are spirits that cause doubt too. So that's some of the things they do. So was all this before you came to give your life to Jesus or after? The time that Jesus met with me, that was after. After. Okay, well, let's talk about that. How did you eventually leave all this stuff and give your life entirely to Jesus? All right. So after I had that dream where I heard the voices say, follow Jesus, I threw out all my stuff, like all my new age stuff. The day after I had that dream, I said, okay, God wants me. I'm going to throw this out. So that's when I started like reading the word of God and stuff like genuinely trying to. And when I did, I would get attacked with like blasphemous thoughts and stuff like that. Cause I needed deliverance. I was so deep in that stuff. Not only that, like, you know, I was on all kinds of medication before and I took, I stopped taking all that. I said, no, there, there's nothing wrong with me. God is doing something in me. I ended up going through a wilderness of churches. Uh, so I went uh, to this one church because it was the only church I knew that my friend's mom um, went to. So I went there and I was baptized there. And um, I was like, we all had to like say something before we were baptized or something. I said, I was a sinner and Jesus saved me. And then the, the pastor's wife was like, let's not say we're sinners. And um, so then basically I went to get my baptismal certificate and it seemed like the pastor was staring at me really creepy and stuff, like really creepy. And then I was like, okay, I'm not going back there again. And then I went to another church and people were praying on me, laying hands on me and stuff. And I felt like I left more oppressed than I, than I came in. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to this church either anymore. And then I went to another church. And um, so it turned out to be Jehovah's Witness Church. I didn't know that. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. Wait, which one? And, was um, this the one where they were laying hands on you or the one afterward? This is another one. <laughs> so uh, they had like a clothing shop and stuff in the, in the church and stuff. <laughs> and um, I went in there and uh, I, I didn't know what we were reading then. I thought it was just a Bible study, but I think it was like the Watchtower <laughs> magazine. I didn't know these <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't know this. Um, and then like the, the pastor and his wife were there and stuff. And he's like, some of you are fair. And I'm like, and he was like, creepy looking at me and stuff like that. 
you know, I kept going to through wilderness of churches. It was so hard, like it's awful. (laughs) But I eventually, um, you know, I started going on a prayer call and stuff. And, um, you know, um, they preached the gospel, read the word and pray. And people got healed of like sicknesses and stuff like that. And um, so I ended up going to a woman's conference in Washington State. I took the bus down there and it was about like seven of us there. And I was baptized there. I was delivered there and I received the gift of the Holy Ghost there. I was praying in tongues and praise God. So that was the beginning of my walk with the Lord. Wow. Now, I'm kind of glad you mentioned those other things because um, some people are weary of certain churches. Um, You know, and you had bad experiences. But then when you went to the last church, those things didn't happen. So what advice would you give to people who are um, kind of leery about um, going to particular churches and how to find the right one? All right. So I would say, you know, it is a wilderness out there. So you need, the Lord, you need to be in the word of God, for one, to discern, like, what's of God and what's not. You know, um, you know don't just, you know assume something isn't but at the same time you know you need you need to be in the word of god because it is a wilderness out there but you know god is real and i knew that jesus christ is lord and that he's real and that he's called me and that's what kept having me searching so earlier you mentioned how when you read the bible aloud you heard demons scream well they're probably screaming now because now you are actually on social media spreading the gospel of jesus christ could you tell us a little bit about your ministry yeah so honestly since the lord saved me and filled me with the holy spirit one of the first things he had me to do was to start like sharing the gospel on my facebook page and like to you know uh do bible studies and stuff on facebook live that was the first thing that god had me to do Sometimes he still has me to like, you know, post videos like expose the works of the enemy and to, you know, uh, minister to others. But also I'm starting like, you know, I I get out more and try to evangelize to the people I meet and stuff and um, do that and, you know, pray and do what the Lord calls me to do. Amen. Well, this wraps up the show, but. I am going to ask you to do what I ask all guests to do. Susie, could you pray for the audience, for those people who are dabbling, like what you did, you dabbled from here to there, uh, or who are depressed, for even teens who may be watching, or even people who are not teens, but feel like they're being oppressed and bullied, if it's not by schoolmates, if they're children or teenagers, say in their workplace, if they've been bullied and they're being put down, or even if family members um, are putting them down and they feel pretty low and they feel suicidal and they have been um, led to do things that they're not supposed to, as in substance abuse or going to different gods when they aren't going to the real God. Could you pray for these people who are lost, confused, and hurting? Yes, I'll do that. Lord Jesus, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I lift up these people, Lord. 
Lord, open their eyes, give them eyes to see, ears to hear, heart to understand the gospel. I pray, Lord, that they would know your love, Lord, which is greater than anything that we can even understand, Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that you will reach them where they are, that you will bring them to the truth. You are the way, the truth, and the life, Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, that you would use this, this situation, Lord, and to reach them and to let them know, Lord, that you love them, that you died for them, that you gave your life for them, and that you are the resurrection and the life. In Jesus Christ's name, I thank you, Lord, that you will let them know that they are fearfully and wonderfully made and that they're not created in vain, God, that you have a purpose, that you have a plan for their life, and they're not useless, that they're not worthless, that no matter how they feel or what others told them, remove the lies of Satan from their heart, remove the lies of Satan that they believe for so long, Lord, and bring them to the truth and, and to the light, Lord, because whoever follows you shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you for what you're going to do in their in their lives. I thank you, Lord, for the lives you're going to reach and that, Lord God, that you would use this for your glory and that many will be saved. Many souls will come to the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, Lord, bless Sister Jennifer and her family in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I give you the glory, praise, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Susie, thank you so much for sharing your amazing testimony with us. Thank you, sister.